This episode of the Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by HBO. The finalist for the 2020 HBO APA Visionary Short Film Competition has just been announced. HBO Visionaries will be celebrating its fourth class of emerging Asian and Pacific Islander American filmmakers on Friday, September 25th during the virtual Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. Tune in at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern by going to www.hbovisionaries.com to meet this year's visionaries, watch their films, and see some familiar faces. On the website, you can also find more information about the program and official rules if you're interested in the opportunity to participate in the 2021 HPO APA Visionaries competition and get your short film considered for HPO and HPO Max. Again, don't miss your chance to meet this year's HBO APA Visionaries by going to www.hblvisionaries.com on Friday, September 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. All three APA Visionary 2020 shorts will also be available to stream on HBO Max on Tuesday, September 29th. And now on to the show. You're listening to... And hey everyone, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. We're back here in September, and guys, the sky is on fire here in LA. I've been smelling literally smoke all week. It How y'all like doing? Barbecue. It does, and the skies are red in some places. Yeah, did you just like want to eat like pork when you go out? A little, <laughs> I kind of want to like. Ribs. I've been wanting a lot of grilled meats, and I don't think that's a, a coincidence. Yeah, we're in the middle of wildfire season. And this year, specifically, there's one right at our doorstep. Um, I don't know if you guys got it, but I got a um, it wasn't an evacuation warning, but it was a notice that evacuation warnings were sent out to like the city um, about 20 miles north of me um, and Jessup. Yeah, I haven't gotten a alert, but I'm, my sister lives kind of near the mountains, so definitely aware. It's called like the Bobcat Fire, which is way mm-hmm. too cute a name for <laughs> this destructive a fire. And I think it like doubled in size la- overnight, which is great uh, on so many levels. <sighs> now, this isn't the gender reveal one, right? That one's. This is not the gender reveal one. Yeah. This is the it's... lightning strike one. One of the many lightning strike ones. It's sad that we have to pick and name them. We have so many. I mean, the entire state is on fire right now. Um, there's a big one up in. Um, is it back mm-hmm. in Paradise again or up there? I, I don't think Paradise, but close. What where? Oh, I can't remember where it was because one of my coworkers, their brother is. Um, near it and then also i have a co-worker in washington and so there's fires uh wafting up there too um so yeah it's the whole west coast yeah well it's times like this when we really need some good pop to get us through the week and with me to talk about said good pop uh once again we have self-proclaimed professional asian american jess Jew. hey jess hello hello (laughs) and also culture editor han win hi Oh. So this week, we're going to be talking all about martial arts movies, um, given the um, upcoming and recent releases of a lot of big martial arts films. Uh, we decided to, you know, have a chat about um, the influence and our backgrounds with um, Kung Fu movies. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture we've been consuming um, over the past week. Um, Jess, what's popping? So in my pattern of comfort watching, I have turned to yet. Yeah. Another British reality competition called Interior Design Masters. So Marvin, I don't know if you know this about me, but 
I love a good hobby and I fully believe you can become a, if not an expert, maybe like proficient by watching in any skill by watching reality TV shows. So my new quarantine hobby is interior design. It's my passion. And therefore, this show fits right in. Uh, again, same concept. Comp- nice, talented amateurs competing for some nice prize. Uh, fun judge who I don't have. I don't think she has a certain catchphrase, but there's like a guest judge. And this this format just works. Like I am I'm very enjoying every iteration of this format. Um so I'm getting some ideas and like learning about textures and patterns. It's just like a very expensive hobby. <laughs> so right now it's all in my mind and my heart. Um I I am I'm back in my childhood bedroom and I'm not going to redecorate because <laughs> You know, I've tried for like 30, almost 30 years and it's just, it's not, it's not going to look good. It's never going to look good. It's a, it's a, it's a Chinese room. It's a Chinese bedroom. It's a Chinese lady's bedroom. There's a lot of stuff that just like lives there. I have too much shit. I tried throwing it away. Didn't work. It just like came back to me like a boomerang. So for now I will live vicariously, pick up some skills. And when I like move out and like have my own space, I will be ready. Have you watched other interior design shows? Like, how does this compare? I like it more than some of the HG HGTV ones. Like a little capitalisty. Like, I mean, I I know just I know it's ironic because we're talking about like interior design shows, but like HGTV is definitely more brand driven and more. Um, you know, the personalities are a little bigger, a little sassier. Like, you kind of have to be like mean or like kind of like joke each other on um joke with each other and then like i feel like everything ends up looking the same like the like (laughs) everyone's in a barnyard moment like a whitewash barnyard moment with like greenery and i'm like okay i don't i don't need that (laughs) um so this is cool because they have like challenges each show they have to design a show house and then you know they have to work as a team everyone gets their own room and they have to make it look cohesive or they have to design a storefront so it it's kind of beyond the parameters of just like home stuff uh and it's really really interesting kind of to see them all have their different take on it and they're they're amateurs so like they're, you know they're not perfect and i i love a good growth story you know like <laughs> seeing someone improve so I how just- Okay, sorry. So how pleasant is this one? Is this like on like from the scale of British Bake Off and an American show? How pleasant Definitely is the more pleasant than an American show, but not quite as wholesome as Great British Bake Off. There's definitely a little more competition. They usually have to share a builder for mm-hmm. each challenge. So one team will have one basically person helping them construct. Um and so, but it's like the most British thing because they're very polite. They're like, are you done yet? Like, um, and they like, they obviously like really need the builder, but they're like not going to like, if this were an American show, we'd be like on like fight number four. It probably would have gotten physical at that point or like there would have been some cussing out of each other, but they're just like, oh yes, she's, she's quite used a bit of the builder's time. Like that's as mean as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> so it's lovely would recommend watch it you know it's like house porn but like with a purpose that's not just like them trying to sell you things 
you know, aspire for that life post COVID where you can buy as many throw pillows as you want. I just realized that I actually have watched this. <laughs> and, um, Did yes. you? Yeah, I, I have watched it. Uh, the thing is, I was so into interior design shows maybe 10 to 15 years ago and um, to the point where I was doing a lot of DIY. Like this is also when I had time. So like I have definitely taken like some really ratty uh, like chester drawers and like refinished and like repainted and changed out the hardware i did that with a few things and i did reupholster something once you kind of poorly very poorly well i mean like you know it's just basically stapling and pooling so like the less fabric there is so like if you just want to change out the seat of a chair it's probably actually pretty easy like i'm not saying it's gonna sit like perfectly straight but like until I have more. But yeah, so I did stuff like that. I remember making a lot of art for walls and things like that. But now I I have pictures that I've put finally put in frames. But they haven't even gotten on my walls yet. And it's been four years since I've lived here. So like oh, my same. My- I've been fixing this wall behind <laughs> me for the last four years. And I finally put two pictures up. Yeah. I mean, my lifestyle has just changed so much that like when I have downtime now, like doing my own projects doesn't really appeal which i'm kind of sad about because i do think that it tapped into that my creative side and i just have drained my creativity through work so um looking forward to the uh like when i get to get back to there so yeah yeah, it was a good i'm just like this is like helping me envision my future when i finally get to move out and you know i get to live with my my boyfriend (laughs) we're long distance right now and i can just like make like everything like okay i love my parents they're wonderful extremely supportive but like many immigrant parents their decor taste is basically what's on sale at costco (laughs) which is so bizarre because like everything else they've they've gotten pretty damn bougie you know they've been here for a few decades like they eat all like all types of food they're they're not like the the kind of parents who like only eat chinese food or asian food they will my mom is like a very snappy dresser my dad doesn't care but my mom is a very snappy dresser she like puts these very cute outfits together from like Madewell and j crew like the taste is definitely there and then like you look into like their spare room and there's like an orange couch and like the leftover ikea furniture and like the tiles are like lime green i'm just like what is happening here i just i can i cannot i'm um what I also like is it not only gives you ideas, but it just sort of solidifies what your aesthetic is. And um, mine is definitely not romantic or shabby chic. Um, I'm all about the pop color and uh, including interesting textiles and patterns. Um, maybe some modern in there. I'm not against reclaimed wood or <laughs> Edison think bulbs. I'm a mix of minimalist bo- boho and yeah. Yeah. pop mission spanish mission <laughs> basically what my nice hotels in peru look like that's what i want my house Span- i don't think i have any spanish mission in me but definitely those other things you mentioned it's minimalist very apropos yeah. for california which is why i like it i'm 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 I, i'm like kind of like a i'm like a basic bitch i really like frank lloyd Wright, and he's very like oh you should mm-hmm. like live in a place like that reflects the environment which i believe because why else would you like like having a colonial style house like 
in the middle of like the Los Angeles like chaparral desert like doesn't really make sense right but like a little mission style house I was like I could dig it but like having a mission house in like snowy New England would be like what the fuck like why so yes but that's that's you know I'm a long way away from home ownership so all I can do right now is dream of interior designing through this show (laughs) so i think that's really that's really the sell there you can you can ask to have your aspirational dreams uh bahan what's popping with you um my brain has been really fried lately i'm about to go on vacation so it's like a whole bunch of work first so i've only been dabbling on very very light mindless things um besides the u.s version of live love island which is not good but it definitely turns the brain off before bedtime. Um, I've also been watching Holy Moly, um, which is the ABC intense mini golf um, show that has a lot of uh, big course, weird courses that you have to do. Like, you know, you jump on a shark that's circling and then, you know, you can run through fire or, you know, different things like that. Um, And there's great puns in there. And it's going to, well, by the time you hear this, it will have aired its season two finale, which I'm very much looking forward to. It is being taped on my DVR as we speak. Um, And there are giant gophers dressed in clothes. It's just bizarre and weird and exactly what my brain needs right now. And then the other thing I've been diving into is back in the day, I used to watch Wings a lot. And so I'm now back on it. It's a... I, it used to actually be on CBS All Access, might still be on there, but um, back in the day, it was on network. Then it went to USA Network for like a thousand years. And then now is on um, Hulu. And Wings is a sitcom that started in 1990. I looked it up. So it's 30 years old. And it's set in a very small Nantucket um, airport where people charter tiny planes and it's about two brothers one who is uh, uptight and one who is kind of a freewheeling dude um and it's set uh in the airport so there are other people who work in the airport that are their friends and uh it, it, it you might remember that um oh my god what's his face from monk <laughs> um, tony shalhoub yeah yeah so tony shalhoub he's not in the first two episodes yet because i've only gotten through two episodes but he is uh a character named Antonio who ends up being a, I think a frequent flyer. So he's often in the airport. So he's a wacky guy. Um, But yeah, so he's probably one of the most famous people, but Thomas Hayden church was in it. Um, And, and then uh, God, I can't remember the other guys you'd, you'd recognize them if you saw them there, you know, white guys, (laughs) uh, but yeah, it's a very gentle comedy. Every now and then they say things where I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't fly now. Ha, fly. Um, but it's, 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 since it's a sitcom and it's gentle, it's kind of like the perfect thing I can watch while I'm eating my lunch. And I can then just turn it off when the 22 minutes are done and not think about it. Yeah, this was um, in like the heyday of these types of like workplace comedy I think Wings was a contemporary of like Friends, right? That era of NBC comedy or Uh yeah, Friends was uh pre Well, yeah, Friends did that um news radio around the same time you're saying uh just shoot me all mm. workplace comedies um except Friends. I 
remember seeing Wings, but not like really watching it. I think during this time, I was more into Murphy Brown was the the show I that watched was more quite of. Good. Well, Murphy Brown was really good. Um, I mean, I think at the time, I probably thought the two leads were cute. Um, mm. And there was something about the private airplanes that I found very like romantic, but not in like a lovey-dovey way, but kind of like, you know, in a fantasy way of like that type of life. They were on an island, you know, just not basically their little world was right there. So yeah, yeah it was, it was really good setup <laughs> and it, 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 there really hasn't been anything kind of like that since I don't think. I mean, I feel like, I mean, personally speaking, I don't feel myself feeling like watching comedies from this era. Um, they just don't appeal to me. So yeah, I'm not going to lie guys. This conversation is so white. can't can't join in before my time i mean i can totally see that because also i have resisted watching anything old from this era like i know so many people who have watched like friends like on rotation even parks and rec which is not even that old and i have literally not been able to watch anything older than like a year until now so i'm not saying that i will continue but we, we we shall see yeah, so uh, this week was pretty busy What's for me, so I didn't have time to do a lot of pop culture consumption that wasn't related to work. Um, but for those of you who don't know, um, I am a programmer for the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, um, which is a major Asian film festival that happens here in L.A. Um, it's my first year as a programmer, and the festival was supposed to take place back in May, but got postponed due to COVID. So now it's actually happening digitally later this month. From September 24th to October 31st, LA Asian is going to be screening a ton of movies, uh, both features and shorts, um, throughout the month. And so periodically for the next few weeks, I might be highlighting some of the films that I think you should check out. Um, so for this episode, I wanted to highlight a film that um, I'm actually presenting as a programmer. It's called The Paradise We're Looking For. And it's a series of four short documentaries produced by Pacific Arts Movement, which is the organization based in San Diego that puts on the San Diego Asian Film Festival. Um, It's an omnibus of four short documentaries that they commissioned that centers on uh, San Diego Asian American culture, directed by four Asian American documentary filmmakers um, based in San Diego. Uh, This documentary was interesting to me because um, I actually lived in San Diego for um, about seven to eight years, um, both for college and for work. So it was really interesting to see these stories from a place that I am connected to and can relate to. So like I mentioned, um, The Paradise We're Looking For is a omnibus of four um, short films. Um, the first is a documentary exploring the relationship between San Diego and the military. Uh, San Diego is home to several military bases, including the Navy and the Marine Corps. And this documentary centers on an incident that happened back in 2008 that I actually remember because I was living in San Diego at the time and I had friends near where the incident happened. Uh, but it's um, a Navy fighter jet had an engine malfunction and was trying to make an emergency landing at Miramar Air Base, but lost power and ended up crashing into um, two residential houses, uh, one of which had a family inside. I this remember is this. Terrible! Why are you telling me? This <laughs> because is like, this is Marvin. This is like the <laughs> the most tragic 
thing you talked about in your what's popping in all the episodes <laughs> because this is real marvin um, are you okay yeah i, I <laughs> oh man my, my my streak continues um but <laughs> the second film was actually a little bit lighter kind of it's a about bit. a couple of uh, vietnamese funeral directors and how they've become kind of the keepers of culture and heritage in the Vietnamese American community in San Diego. And it really reminded me of the funeral directors that worked with my family when my grandparents passed away and how they were able to um, walk us through all the ritual because um, those are things that I personally have no idea about. Um, and it was really comforting to have someone, you know, walk us through the process of how to grieve in respect to our culture. So I'm curious about this. You said this is a Vietnamese funeral director. Do, and of course, this is a very broad statement, but like, does the Chinese community also have a specific place? Because well, the reason why I ask is in Houston, there is, there are probably many, but there is one central, like big Vietnamese funeral home that everyone goes to. And to the point where, like, you look it up on Yelp and everyone has the same photos and they have the same sort of commentary. And, the you know, it's kind of really known. Everyone has gone to one, to that place. So I didn't know if they had something central here that everyone goes to. Like, maybe that movie would show it for the Vietnamese community there, but I don't know about other Asian communities. I have no idea here. I mean, I guess you haven't been to a funeral here, which is horrible to ask, but I guess... I mean, probably Rose Hills. Like, I don't, mm. I don't know. Yeah. So okay. I'm sure there is. Um, well, no, I meant just yeah. you don't know, so you haven't experienced it. So, yeah. The third documentary in this series is about like a Filipino um, karaoke bar and how it's like a center of community. And <laughs> I miss karaoke so much. <laughs> right? I was thinking about that. Like, when is the next time? Like. It it would have to be probably at this point outdoor karaoke, and then where would it be that people aren't going to complain? B y o m, bring your own mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I just gotta, you know, I got my got my hairbrush I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> I have a I have a karaoke mic actually. Yeah, and then the fourth documentary is a basically the the director interviews his classmates for the twentieth reunion. Um, for their high school that was in a border city. So there was a city right in the San Diego, uh, Mexico border. And what it was like um, going to school in a border city where um, the minorities were the majority at school. Like, Justin, I probably w- would relate to that because we too grew up in a school district where like white people were the minority. Oh, yeah. I had, uh, could count all of them on one hand in my school and they were all in drama. So I was like friends with all of them. <laughs> wow. I don't know that experience at all. Yeah. So the film again is called The Paradise We're Looking For. It's screening at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival on October 22nd. Um, I believe there are only a limited amount of tickets available for um, the film. So if you want to learn more, go to festival.vcmedia.org to learn more about the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival. Um, but definitely check it out. Again, it's scheduled to screen on October 22nd. But on that note, that's what's popping for this week. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking martial arts movies. Stick around.
Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to Good Pop. Uh, we're here this week to talk all about martial arts films in honor of a lot of martial arts films and media that has recently come out or are upcoming, including um, the recent release of Mulan, um, the upcoming season two of Warrior. Um, but yeah, I feel like as Asian Americans, um, we our identity, whether we like it or not, has been linked to martial arts media since like the day we were born because of how, um, let's say the quote unquote mainstream of Americans, aka white people, relate to us through martial arts mediums. Yeah, I, I would say of the most Asian things about me are number one is my food palette. Um, number two is my love of martial arts. Uh, and then down, like, you know, then there's like anime, karaoke, that type of stuff. But like, it's really up there with me as far as martial arts, like what I want from films, how much I've watched them and how long I've watched them. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I guess I can start with a little bit background. Um, my mom did judo in college. I think at first I thought she had a black belt, but I think it was a brown belt. Um she actually went to college in the United States. She had a scholarship um, from Vietnam. But uh, and I think her her nickname was Squirrel in in the class because she's tiny. She's smaller than me, but she also has very thick hair. So when she, her hair was in a ponytail, it looks like a squirrel's tail. Anyway, uh, she also did very well with uh, ping pong in college. So she was just an athlete. <laughs> in her own way um but yeah and then so we my brothers uh my brothers and i are all nearly the same age one is one and a half years older and i have a twin brother so all three of us took martial arts um growing up and then we also as kids were always being taken to the local theater that for some reason ran martial arts films that were very poorly dubbed um (laughs) And but I just remember it because then afterwards we go to the Chinese restaurant nearby and order a certain type of like foods and they knew our whole order. So it was, yeah, it was a big sort of family outing sort of thing. Um, so I've always been drawn to martial arts. And so that also meant that I watched a lot of bad martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> I did avoid Chuck Norris. I avoided Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, <laughs> all of that stuff because I didn't deal well with too much white face martial arts or whatever yellow face yellow face but once the 80s hit that meant there were a lot that was the height of the martial arts in america when it came to karate especially and the karate kid so yes i did watch that i feel like karate kid had that like is the top gun effect right where after everyone watched top gun they all want to join the air force um, after everyone watched Karate Kid, they all wanted to do karate. It's actually the Navy, but yes, go on. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it was our already. We wanted to fly jet planes. Already, 
martial arts in general was kind of on the rise because of Bruce Lee. Um, so, but between Kung Fu and karate, those were, um, I think they were actually in that era, a lot more, um, white owned karate studios. So something like Karate Kid actually wasn't unheard of for the time. So where would they have like whole white dojos and stuff like that? And, you know, Pat Morita was like the outlier. Yeah. I mean, my, my background, um, I did take, I took some karate classes for like a cultural show once in um, elementary school and then i did wushu um as an elective for chinese school um and like wushu is a little bit different than karate where there's not really any ranks per se and um it's not exactly a practical combat you know training it's a little bit more fancy it's it's um it's all that kung fu you see in like karate Tech hidden dragon and like in chinese wuxia uh, films and tv um but yeah, growing up, I don't, I have a big pop culture gap here where I don't really think I've seen a lot of martial arts films from this era, like the 80s and 70s, like the old martial arts films, the ones that are badly dubbed or the ones that were just straight up from China. Because, um, like I know the tropes, like the the bad yeah. camera angles and the, the zooms and things like that. But like Bruce Lee movies, I've only seen, um, which one's the one with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and like the... The Tower. Enter the Dragon. It's Enter, Dra- Enter the, the dragon, dragon, right? I've only seen yeah. that Or one. Game of Death. One, uh, game of Death because they do finishing yes, the that's game. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Enter the Thanks, Dragon Justin was Lin. his big one. Uh, first big one. But yeah. Um, so I know a huge awakening after those films was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon for America. Did you watch things before that? I mean, I did. I mean, when growing up, I watched a lot of wuxia. I don't remember the specific stories, um, which, you know, for people who don't know, wuxia is, you know, Chinese martial arts, like epics, adventures. It's pretty much the, the Chinese version of the Western because they all take place in the marches. Right? They're and, all like ancient. It's it's like a long time ago and it's all very like stylized. It's very fantasy yeah, driven. A lot of like magical realism where people can like use chi to fly and float and like fight real good. And they yeah, and they, they, <laughs> it takes place in like they call it Zhanghu, right? Which is Chinese for rivers and lakes, which is kind of... You need the valley backdrop to really make the <laughs> flying like pop. You know, it's like all very aesthetically beautiful and yeah. graceful. There, there's something I love about that. All the flying is like it's like ASMR for me. Is that the flapping, that the of ruffling? The, yeah, the <laughs> flapping of the sleeves and the pants and stuff. I love that sound. Also, love how all these like it's always like beautiful men and women, like the most beautiful men and women, and the women are wearing the most like restrictive clothing you could possibly imagine, but they all fight real good. <laughs> um, and of course they can fly in these like long gowns that they were just fighting in. And it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love it. So the Wusha, I kind of know that one. Now, later on, were you also familiar with uh, the, um, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right. Wang Fei Hong. Sort of like Wang Fei Hong is more of a eighteen hundreds, um, early nineteen hundreds. He was more of like a folk hero um during like British occupation times. Right. But I definitely saw many versions of him, but these are the sh- the movies that were done afterwards that and then some of them were comedies. <laughs> so Yeah, I, was, I mean Wang Fei Hong is 
he's a folk hero um and he has a very distinctive like they have a theme song for him that like is used in all of his films like i mean his whole thing was um what was his signature move? It was like the bicycle kick, right? That was his, like the, the shadow kick or something. I didn't know the name, but yeah, I do remember there was always, that always came up. Yeah. I mean, Wang Feihong is probably an archetype for a lot of like generic Kung Fu person in Western media, like Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. His moveset is pretty much Wang Feihong's moveset. But yeah, I mean, that's also like, I don't know if that can be considered wuxia. No, no. Um, I'm saying yeah. it was afterwards, but like, because yeah. I was trying to see like what other types of films in this genre because there's not just one type of like martial arts film and i definitely remember a lot in this more slightly more modern era but it wasn't totally modern yet like it wasn't during the super cop era so i was like but there's this guy and it wasn't he wasn't in feudal you know times but he was still like you know kind of old fashioned and i was like i remember there, like, didn't he wear a certain type of clothing also all the time? And um, I mean, he, he yeah. dressed like, um, like because in, in Qing China, everyone had to dress the same way. Mm. Everyone had to have the shaved head with the with the ponytail. Everyone had to wear glorified pajamas. Like that was kind of the required dress. So I don't know if there's like a unique dress that he For, specifically yeah. had. Yeah, I, I don't remember so. him just more fighting. But yeah, I I just know his name came up so many times that I was finally like, okay, how are the all these people him? Um, yeah, I mean, he, before Ip Man became like a, his own franchise, um, Wang Feng Hong was probably the most adapted, you know, story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Drunken Master was, okay, first of all, that was like a Jackie Chan, but, but yeah, I think he was also playing Wang Feng Hong. Yeah, a lot of people have played him. Um, I'm pretty sure Jet Li's played him before. I'm pretty sure like any Kung Fu like star has played Wang Feng Hong <laughs> at one point in their career. Oh my God, Sammo Hung. Like, I'm looking at all these people who have played him. Like, I have my Wikipedia open. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, I yeah, that, that makes sense. Because kind of like how everyone has done some sort of Shakespearean character, if you're in England. <laughs> Jess, what's your background with martial arts movies? I actually have a pretty big blind spot when it comes to martial arts movies. I think a lot of people get it through, like, I don't mean to be like sexist or here, but I think a lot of people get it from their dads. Um, or watching these movies with their dads, especially like Asian dads love this shit. But my like my parents, I realized, do not watch movies. I think mm. that's what happens when you grow up in like deep communism. Like they were in mainland China until their 20s uh, came and like, you know, had, you know, and then like started like having to work and like had kids and and there was like no really way to consume. Ch- it wasn't quite as easy to consume Chinese like movies at that time like you'd have to go to the video store in the like the loft of the local chinese supermarket and like rent out the tapes like three at a time and they're usually series because we'd rent out a movie when you can like do a whole series so i picked up a lot of things i think i got like the third you know i got like i definitely got like the white hollywood like filtered down iteration so a lot of jackie chan growing up who i actually love and really even enjoy more now um knowing the theory behind his work and i'm a big like old hollywood fan i love silent movies i'm a big fan of buster keaton and then when mm. i I, th- I don't think it was until college when someone like a teacher pointed out like a film teacher pointed at me pointed out the influence of buster keaton to jackie chan i was like holy shit of course mm-hmm. um so it's like a lot of jackie chan his american movies and then kind of 
I went back and kind of watched not not deep into his catalog like the 70s stuff but you know some of the some of like Rumble in the Bronx like that era which mm-hmm. is technically still before my time and then oh my god <laughs> I know sorry guys I'm young girl younger not young anymore but younger <laughs> <laughs> and um actually probably the biggest like kind of things were in that vein like Shaolin Soccer, you know, the parody movies of the karate movie or the martial arts movies were great. And then it wasn't until a little later when I was trying to deepen my own film knowledge that I dove into some of this more like wuxia tradition, like martial arts movies. So, you know, everyone had to watch like Crouching. Like you you got your Asian card revoked if you didn't watch <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> and I was a big big proponent of House of Flying Daggers because mm. the cast is just beautiful. I was not watching it because I loved martial arts. It was You're watching forward the to Takeshi? Takeshi Andy Lau too. Like <laughs> I think people sleep on how hot like in a daddy way that Andy Lau is. I mean and Andy like, Lau is pretty much our Tom Cruise as in he doesn't age ever. Doesn't age actually is a phenomenal actor like very upset that and the singer if anyone has he's no casing he's not the best <laughs> singer but fantastic actor and very upset that the majority of the western world probably like his most well-known credit if they have not seen infernal affairs which is a better version than the remake the ending's a lot better yeah oh yeah um but you know it's like the great wall he was in the great wall but it was like it was such a waste of his talents (laughs) um but but yeah but like house of flying daggers made me feel things um (laughs) i feel that way about like jackie chan in american films too like they it's such a waste of his like talents Mm -hmm. the kind of characters they put him in you know and i was watching some kind of random documentary about jackie chan while i was avoiding the humidity i was in hong kong on like a family vacation one time and you know like random things they play on tv and we did i did not want to go out because i did not want to sweat and they were like talking about jackie chan's work and his filmography and how he has a very specific style and he himself was explaining how he had to translate his work for an american audience because american audiences don't understand things like you have to be like you have to dumb it down for american audiences Mm. they can't piece it like so the way you edit the way you choreograph the way you the angles like is very he he had to like relearn how to do that or like do it a different mindset like i think he's saying about like in hong kong audiences you don't necessarily have to show the punch mm-hmm. or you don't have to show the contact like they'll they'll fill in the gaps but then like in american if you in american film if you like don't show the contact and then the react you, if you don't show the pullback the contact and then the reaction like you'll lose your audience so he's like wait what so he like has to add all this like stuff he usually doesn't, but you know he's a little older now. But like you know uh, he's still doing his own stunts when he can. Rush Hour is, I mean now totally get that problem <laughs> on multiple levels. But man, it's it is still one of my favorite movies. Rush Hour Two is like a top three favorite movie for me, which I, I will fly that banner proudly i have to say something in general about martial arts is i have to i find almost across the board there's something problematic about all of them you know they're sexist or they're racist yes all of it so for me it's just more of like how much does the martial arts 
raise the movie and how much does the problematic stuff drag it down? And if as long as it kind of balances, I'm okay. Um, and so I, <laughs> I will give past. Martial, yeah, martial arts movies are definitely something you have to go in knowing what you're getting. Like, I don't go into martial arts movies, like, expecting, like, you know, insane t- character development. You know, if I go to a martial arts movie and I see some kick-ass martial arts, I'm like, damn, that's impressive. I'm I'm happy, um, which maybe that's adulthood. Maybe that's maturity. But <laughs> that's to say, you know, with my kind of like, I, I am an action movie fan uh, now, mm-hmm. you know, the, like in the traditional Hollywood, Big Blow, Michael Bay, Nick Cage, like definitely. I watched like the Nick Cage action trifecta and I'm a co- convert now. But so so but this week for this for this episode I watched The Raid oh. the 2011 Indonesian oh action film starring great. Iko Uwes Iko Uwes directed and written by Gareth Evans this like random white dude who was in Indonesia and I just have so many feelings like it's it's such it's it's a ride um so you know, having explained my background, like the stuff I watch is pretty soft. Let's be real. Like Wuxia is like pretty soft. Like there's beautiful fighting, but it's beautiful. It's like yeah. dancing. Mm-hmm. Like there's not much blood. It's like pretty like it's about honor or like principles and like 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 love, you know, epic love stories or like epic rivalries and like reunions. It's, it's all very epic. And this is like the opposite of that. This was like dirty and i mean that in a good way it's like dirt is nasty this was like the nastiest action movie i've ever seen there was a lot of blood a lot of shooting like everyone dies i i couldn't even keep a body count i'm just like (laughs) which which makes me wonder if that was like the action scenes were great but the rest of the movie, I'm like, let's not lie. It's a very, I mean, <laughs> it's a very broad movie, right? Like, we don't know anything about this guy, Iko Uwis's character. Like, I honestly don't even know his name. We, he, he like <laughs> wakes up, you know, his wife is pregnant, and you're like, okay, I get it. He got stakes, and he like says something kind of mysterious to his dad, and you're like, oh, what's going on? And then like he's he's riding like the police van. Like there's there's they waste absolutely <laughs> no time setting up any kind of character i don't know any other of the guys' names like his whole squad i know there's there's mean dude there's <laughs> there's lieutenant dude and then there's lieutenant's boss who's like like the the the, the you know spoiler alert is like the big bad really he's like set them up because he's also corrupt and then like and it's just like it's just like kind of like these nameless faces um fighting and again the fight scenes are really the centerpiece of this movie uh it, it's very intimate it's very kinetic uh it's really showcasing this indonesian martial arts style which i find very interesting because i think we are more familiar with the more like karate like east asian um, martial kung arts fu. east asian yeah. wuxia kung fu like that that's pretty in the mainstream now even if it has been like bastardized like and and this style is just it's so like there's so much contact like there's a lot of there's a lot of use of like his shins and his like like forearms um he just never stops moving like it never, the camera never stops moving. He never stops moving. And uh, specifically, I the hallway scene where he's like fighting through the hallway, I thought was great because the way they use the angles, of, I don't know if they built the set. I'm assuming not because they probably didn't have the money. But 
But maybe things like you could make magic happen in Indonesia. They shot it in Indonesia. But the way that he uses the angles of the hallway and the corners like makes it really feel believable and kinetic and urgent. Because so many times, you know, when you watch an action film, like the bad guys wait to rush at the hero and you're like, you're outnumbered. <laughs> like you've <laughs> outnumbered him like 25 to 1. Like just all beat up on him at the same time. But like he was very smart about kind of like there's always another one coming around the corner. And, um, but I do wonder, like, because it's so nameless, like, does it matter? Like, I, I don't really, I, I mean, I didn't I really like- care, you know, like, I didn't care if anyone lived and <laughs> so many people die in the first, like, five minutes. I just kind of expected everyone would die. I mean, I know there's a raid too. It was like, oh, Ego Uis is probably not going to die. There are other buildings. Yeah, I there's mean, other buildings. The raid in <laughs> of itself is a very tight movie, right? It's about mm-hmm. a raid on, like, that goes wrong. And on then, an apartment complex it's yeah. not even just like yes. one place yeah yeah the ray 2 has a little bit more acting in it it's more of like a <laughs> departed style like undercover story um but still has i dope assume fights. that did not quite work <laughs> it's still good i mean it's, it, good. it's it's still really good i mean the ray 2 is everything you wanted because it still has like super brutal fights um with like knives and baseball bats and like a lot of cool stabbing stuff um yeah. But yeah, I mean, the raid, I feel like at some point there was a break between um, like more like fantastical like martial arts movies. And then now they, and then, and then in the 2010s and, and then in the 2010s, you have like, you're the raid, you're the raid, you have your John Wicks, you have the more kind of gritty and more um, kind of kinetic style of martial arts films or films with fighting in it um what was great about the raid though is it's it's like in martial arts films through and through because like it didn't because there was a point of time in i think the late aughts early 2010s where you had a lot of people like where all of a sudden you have matt damon and liam neeson's becoming action stars but in movies where they didn't they had to shoot it in a way where it made, to make it believable that they were action stars. Um, whereas a, a film like The Raid, like you see the fights. I would actually love the opposite to happen. I want one of these like mega ultra fantastic action actors. You know, the ones who can do these amazing fight scenes. I like want them to go like take a year off and go study in an acting conservatory so we can get like the best of both worlds because let's be real you can train all you want but like unless you're going to devote like a good like like how how long do you think it'd take to get to like eco uis level like how long would it take matt yeah. damon to get to eco uis level right like that's probably not the, gonna yeah happen. The, i mean i think this is the other thing i about martial arts movies because like it's kind of like the key word there is art i think for me as a movie viewer that is like i'm sure there are other reasons why they call it arts like the dark arts but um (laughs) but i i do truly it's the quality of the fighting that i watch for and how they shoot it and so when someone is trained and how they choreograph and and even the storytelling that's told within the fighting itself uh that's why i can overlook the actual bad acting elsewhere (laughs) because i feel like you I can get good acting elsewhere, but I can't always get it like the great fighting that I want. I, feel I, like- I think the I think Chinese like Eastern movies have kind of like 
done a better job at mixing those two. I mean, we've had like art house martial arts films, which is fantastic. That's a great blend. But uh, yeah, I do think like a like a actually, you're not going to lie. The old guard was pretty damn good in terms of blending like pretty awesome. Act- like, <laughs> I mean, Charlize and Kiki are fantastic actors. And I thought the fight scenes were I mean, they're, it, it probably is has is on like lower in the density of what we think a traditional action film would have. But, like, I thought their fight scenes were, like, very believable. A little too many guns. I think, yeah. like, a martial arts films really needs to have, like, much more, like, body contact and combat like that. So yeah. that's kind of how I distinguish a martial <laughs> arts film versus a, um, like, the bad guys can have guns. But, like, the hero has to kind of, like, get out on his or her own, like. I mean, in a way, is, aren't they just, like, a musical where you have to find a way to get into the next fight believably? Yes. That's why like the, the raid was. I mean, yeah, that's why the raid was like genius. Because... So you're saying that the raid should be a musical, <laughs> exactly. Um, just like um, a sung through musical, maybe where there's like not actual dialogue. <laughs> it's just, it's just everything is strung together through fights. Also, can we give a shout out to? I mean, you know, I I usually don't fuck with white men, but I will give a shout out to Gareth Evans. For naming two of the henchmen Mad Dog and Andy. <laughs> like, sure, dude. Um I I know who I probably would choose to take on. Um but oh but and also can we talk about why in these movies the Asian gangsters are always like kinda dirty and like wearing a like a, a a tank top like a dirty tank top and like an open shirt like and like why do like in like white people like western movies like gangsters get to wear suits i was like i guess it's too hot in a building in indonesia to wear a full suit but it's like he could have been a little cleaner like he looked like my uncle like the uncle you don't talk to at the party like who you you're trashing your uncle Uh. oh yeah all my uncles are trash (laughs) but Well, see, this is why when you say that, then they dress that way because that way you know that they're evil. (laughs) Yes. Again, this is not a subtle movie. Okay. But that's Um, mainly like this is the raid, which is actually way different from a lot of the other ones. I mean, if you want if you want to talk about snappily dressed gangsters, you got to go to period dramas in post or pre-war Shanghai. Marvin, they make those movies there because that's the only set they have outside of Shanghai. Yeah, but that, like that's where you get like people studios. in suits and dapper hats mm-hmm. with um, hatchets, right? <laughs> like uh, Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, my God. I that's love amazing. it. amazing. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's funny because as... And I think it's because like you're saying, Jess, that, you know, a fan of action movies, this is where I can rationalize um, watching action and stuff like that because, you know, I'm very, very much a pacifist in real life. But if you can give me a good setup where like like Fast and Furious films where cars are flying through the air for whatever reason, I don't care. The reason is family. That's why the family. cars are fine. You have to stretch it out yeah. to three syllables, Marvin. Family. family. Then, yeah, I will watch it. I don't care about the storytelling necessarily in Fast and Furious films. I do care about the acting because actually the acting's pretty good in those films. But you know what? <laughs> in martial arts films, you don't always get good acting. And when you do, that's just like the bonus. 
true. And I do think that we need to give more props to amazing martial artists, actors, like the, the ones who are doing the martial arts in these movies. Like it is, I will, I can train for the rest of my life and I will never be able to do that. And it's just like, and I really just like watching people who are good at what they do. It really doesn't matter, which is why I'm obsessed with all these like very banal like TV, like reality competitions like i would watch someone pl- like have you ever seen like an expert spoon player like spoons <laughs> like it's a circus it's like a street like busking thing but if you like see someone's like really good at playing the spoons you're like damn you're this is like very impressive like anything's impressive you could do it extremely well and i do think you know action martial arts gets kind of like seen as lowbrow or well then I mean, like when you're talking about those who can act and do mo- great martial arts, that's Michelle Yeoh. I was about to say, like, are we turning this into a Michelle Yeoh podcast now? <laughs> because I'd be down for it. We can talk about her for every single episode of For All I Care, and we will work her in. I actually haven't seen um, what's the one that she's known for the the heroic trio one. I think here she's most known for Crouching Tiger. Crouching Tiger, but she was in um, one of the uh, Jackie Chan um, police story movies, Super Cop, I think. Um, and she was a Bond girl. She was also a Bond girl, but like there really wasn't that much there. Um, and uh, what's the series? What's the TV series that she was in? Um, oh God, was she in Marco Polo? Can't remember. But yeah, so it's her big screen stuff. I think that she's you know done the most fighting, and even Jackie Chan, in his very sexist way, had to acknowledge that she was good. So, <laughs> I feel like we it. should do a pop culture gap on like one of like Michelle Yeoh's because <gasps> I know there's um there was a series called The Heroic Trio which was uh, Michelle Yeoh, Anita Mui, and Maggie Chung where they play like three like a oh uh, it's basically Charlie's Angels but like I forgot about Fu. I forgot about those other two wow yeah oh I would happily do <laughs> uh, homework for that episode I mean Michelle Yeoh um I mean speaking of Crouching Tank Hidden Dragon. Um, I remember when that became like the zeitgeist, right? And some might argue you can't have a matrix without Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. Because before Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, people didn't understand wire work at all in like Western yeah. media, right? Um, but I do remember like speaking of like bad acting, not bad acting, but like acting in between fights. Um, that movie for people who understand Mandarin, was kind of a mess because <laughs> every single character had a different accent. Um, and because Michelle Yeoh speaks with like a Malaysian Chinese accent, Chow Yun-Fat speaks with a Cantonese accent. For me, it was really interesting seeing everyone else get super into it. And then you realize because they're not really listening to the acting. To them, it sounds fine, right? It's pretty standard, though. I feel like most movies have like a range of Mandarin accents, or at least the yeah. ones like I would well, also I feel like they up. usually dub it. Too, I would also ask right? though: is the accent bad acting, or is it just bad accents because you know they couldn't overcome? I wouldn't say it's bad I think it'd acting. Just be, it's yeah. It's just I not think it'd just fluent. be weird if you. Yeah. It'd be like if you were watching like Lord of the Rings and of the Nine. Like one had like a southern accent, one had like a surfer accent, one had a like Scottish accent, one had an Australian I accent. Mean, like they're all speaking Sean English. Sean Connery's like Scottish was apparently <laughs> like or, or whatever was hor- horrible. So um, I just have to say when 
certain actors don't accomplish the accent they're supposed to. And these are from English speaking perspective. I can always be like, okay, that accent was horrible, but is the acting bad? So um, I don't I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I know it can stick out and ruin a moment. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm glad I guess that I didn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> I mean, I think it just for me, it took me out of it. Um, it was the same with like well, 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 it was the same as when we talked about Tiger Tail, where mm-hmm. it's just certain things. Just it creates like a cognitive cognitive dissonance where you're kind of thinking about the accents instead of the acting. Um, so, what? but I mean the, but I mean the film itself, the action scenes are great. I mean the fight between um, Zhang Ziyi and Michelle Yeoh um, was like a showcase in Wushu, pretty much, because like, they were pretty much fighting in every single weapon discipline and it was just like a 20 minute commercial on like hey enroll in your nearest wushu class and have you seen the videos where you can go to like these theme parks in china and basically get wired up in costume and fly like wushu so let's like once it's all over we're going guys let's go i yeah let's let's do that now um (laughs) well and and isn't wushu didn't that originate as a woman's quote unquote martial arts or i thought i heard that somewhere i don't remember now um i don't think i think so. it man mentioned it uh yeah i'm i'm not sure maybe 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 it was but i mean i think wushu was kind of like a catch all term for like martial arts like you were saying martial arts, arts. yeah yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. Uh, when I took martial arts, it was also a mix of them. And so whenever I tell people that, they're saying mixed martial arts. And I'm like, I don't think it was that. <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, I just know that they always taught us certain things. And they would say, well, this is Aikido. Well, this is Judo. This is whatever. And then they would just like, and they did mix them. But I don't think it was mixed martial arts, like what people are talking about now. There was no MMA going on during the time that I was learning. Yeah, I did not take martial arts as a kid, but I did take traditional Chinese dancing. And I will bet you one hundred dollars that my teacher was way meaner than your martial arts teacher. (laughs) My dance teacher. Which dance did you do? I don't even know, but it was like for kids from like. It was like like basically like three year olds to like twelve year olds oh. like this like the pre like the kids class not the teen class <laughs> so I was on like the older side of the spectrum I was like maybe ten or eleven I was very tall I was already like five two at ten you know and like my boobs are coming in and he was so mean about it I was like uh. I'm not flexible dude like the bones are setting in and I had to play a boy villager because I was the tall big one and I hated it and i was like i don't want to do this anymore we we got to the tumbling part of like a dance routine i was like i'm out bye <laughs> wow yeah. i mean i don't understand people well, anyway but isn't this also along the traditions even though that was dance but the, the tradition of being very hard on, in in teaching uh some of these disciplines I mean, yeah. I mean, if he was like Michelle Yeoh, I would have listened to him. But he was like this very mean old Chinese man who like would like be like, like, like stretch more. I was like, I can't. And he also um, called me like fat all the time. I was like, no, dude. A lot of these people came from was the opera house. 
opera. I think dance. Dance. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In that. That. I mean, Jackie Chan came from yep. opera. Um. It's kind of like how we, you know, like vaudeville bred phenomenal talent because it was brutal. Like you basically either. Uh, you were working like twenty four seven since you were like could walk to earn you know your living, and you were performing seven days a week, and that's how we got Julie Andrews and Judy Garland, and but also like breaks you, and the but you know sometimes you don't even get to the part where you get the the fame and the credit and the the big jobs, um, you like burn out before then, but it's like this, it's like. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but also, man, Julie Andrews, like, <laughs> how can you, you yeah. gonna, you gonna say no to that? But like, I guess moving forward, like, what are you, what do you want to see out of like the next generation of martial arts films, right? Like, yeah. is there a way to do it without mentioning honor all the time? Right? Well, yeah, I and I think that's very much a, maybe white person's take on um but uh yeah because i do have to say america it did seem like and i guess we can get to the here now like fell out of love with martial arts films for it seems like the last at least 10 years like they went through their whole stage and we we got to see jet lee do more stuff and um but there hasn't been a lot of that showcased um so mulan would probably be the biggest you know film I mean, there's yeah, I mean, I feel like there's been some attempts, right? There's there was um, Iron Fist for better or worse, which oh god, is like and has yeah, the bones of a martial arts. I like, and series. I almost don't want to count that, not because he's white, but because it's a Marvel thing. Like <laughs> I think Shang Chi, uh, uh, oh my god, Shang Chi will be better if it ever gets made. Because, but yeah, I you are correct. So TV, Iron Fist, there is um, that series last year um that stars uku Ways, but i forgot what it was called a lot of our friends Wu were in assassins. it feel bad. Wu Wu assassins, assassins right like that, oh yeah the there's, fighting yeah. was good in that i feel like there's been some stuff on netflix for sure yeah. and and that makes sense because netflix is a global brand and so they're also co-productions and stuff like that um and uh and you know, uh, Cobra Kai, you know, which came from YouTube, is now on Netflix, and that's a very much a white person's um, martial arts. But yeah. I think Warrior, getting, you're right, and Warrior, we're getting Kung Fu next. Hopefully, next season at some next year at some point, and that will be women woman led. Yeah, so that's inter- so that's CW, right? Um, and I think mm-hmm. one of my friends is a writer on it, so I'm very excited for that. Um, but yeah, so I think the most imminent one that we're going to get is season two of Warrior on Cinemax. And um, I worry because there aren't that many Asians behind the scenes for season two, from what I heard, or for when I can look at it on the list. Shannon Lee is still there, um, but she's not. So I'm just hoping that the fighting is good. Again, I don't know about how much of the other storytelling like first season for me i did not love the women characters um they tried to do something with them by the end but i have to say some of the fighting was really good and episode five was was the best and Mm. that combined both western um tropes and regular fighting and martial arts fighting i think pretty well yeah i mean i i watched up to that episode so um 
I haven't finished it. I, I should probably finish it before season two starts. But yeah, I I want to see, like personally for me, I want to see people take those tropes and like do something interesting with it, right? I think for me, I'm still of the opinion that yes, almost all of these martial art films or TV shows are going to be problematic, but I would love to see that the next generation become slightly less problematic perhaps um maybe by putting a slightly more story to it and therefore building up characters a little bit more i don't necessarily mean everyone has to be a great actor but like baby steps but i would love to Even see if, like the writing's a little better yeah, just give me a little like flush out the character the motivation yeah. make, me, make me care about whether they live or right. die i mean not just because you're hot like which Granted, that's a lot of the time is what I'm hanging my head on. But yeah, so it's like, if you want to give me a little bit of character, I, I wouldn't say no. Um, <laughs> Wait, so, so Han, you're saying that if I open up the movie and I just have the main character go to his pregnant wife and be like, <laughs> I love you, like that's not enough character development for you? You know what? I will take it, but it's not enough. Um, maybe Maybe he has to be like, I want my child to be called this. And then that's like, okay. What's the story there? I don't know. Whatever it is, there needs to be. You want to start See, off the, like the martial arts movie <laughs> with a like long, so deep soliloquy. You know what about like the meaning of life? I would actually and then we'll be, get to like all the. I would actually be fine if it opened him, on him reading a book or watching a TV show because that would already tell you something about him that is not related to fighting. Um, and, I mean, I feel like yeah. showing his pregnant wife shows you that he has someone to come that he needs to come home to. Mm, I think yeah. that's a, that's motivation right there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know. It's just I just felt so like tri- manipulated. I was like, yeah. "You're showing me a pregnant wife? Like that's just cheating. That's like when you use a real horse it, or like a, a dog, like you kill someone's yeah, dog. Yeah, exactly. I, I that's just that's cheating. not that's not character development. That is props. It's like, hey, what if he has a house to come home to? That house is a prop. So like, yeah. I don't care about this woman. I don't care about this guy. I just know he's the hero, and so I want to see him act, um, fight well. So that's all I get from the raid right now. And um, I think that's all you need for the raid. Like well, one, the raid two gets has a little, little bit more acting in it yeah. and a little more story. But like, uh, I mean, raid one was such a tight, just like it's like Mad Max, right? Yeah. Where it's just there's nothing one against, long action scene. Yeah, right. There's nothing but against see, the when raid. You have, but when you have someone like Charlize, like being your center, like she doesn't have like. Like that's the thing. Like it's possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you center it, you find the really that right person. And who knew? Like Charlize was going to be like the coolest like action star, at least in the Western or Hollywood world, like of the millennium so far. Like the most interesting roles. Uh, really, I mean, she she's a fantastic actor. Yeah, and I think having a fantastic actor, even if really she doesn't have a lot to say in the movie, or you know, like. I mean, Mad Max is very sparse on words. It, yeah. Um, it's like when you think about it, when superhero films started casting really well-respected actors because superhero films were no longer considered just like for nerds or whatever. Yes, that's what we need. We need like the, we need like the Anthony Hopkins of action stars to like kick some ass. I want I want Helen. I want like uh, I want Kate Blanchett. I want. Every Oscar winner, you know, and but also like the like the current crop of uh, Marvel films and the ones that really work for me are the ones where the characters have 
some personality. Like they get the quips. They get like, you know, well, except for the women. Um, And then, and so like, I feel like you can get that level of writing to give character to the next generation. That's why I'm like, I have no problem with the raid as for what it is, but we can, we can move it up forward a little bit. If you want the raid, but more story, the <laughs> Kyle Urban version of Dread, Judge Dread, is pretty much the raid with a little bit more story. I do remember that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's literally the same movie where it's Judge Dread and his partner go on a raid on an apartment building and gets locked in when the entire apartment building turns on them. <laughs> this sounds familiar. <laughs> I'm and it's also, so much better yeah. than the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dread movie. So much better because Yikes, it's so much yeah. tighter, you know. I mean, uh, just in general, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Judge Dredd. Like, I mean, Sylvester Stallone. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm hoping that, like, as much as I kind of trash Cobra Kai, like, I do see its value as far as like it's 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 it is pleasant. It's a very watchable series, and so I'm hoping other people become more interested in martial arts again so that way we can get more green lit stuff um and yeah. like yeah and i like warrior is harder to get to people because of cinemax so i don't know and it's not on hbo max despite the max mm. i'm excited <laughs> about kung fu kung fu yeah whenever we get it i'm very yeah. excited i'm very excited i'm also apprehensive about because i guess I'm still kind of conditioned to assume the worst yes. in these things. Um, but the team looks good. Um, I like that. It centers around a, a female, female protagonist. Um, I like that the team is diverse. So it has all the pieces it has going for it. I'm just like in my heart of hearts. It's like, oh, I, I hope. I hope it's good. I, I, isn't that the rep sweats where we're just like, oh, I will support it. But at, because, you know, all the things are in place. But. I do have apprehensions. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cautious optimism. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, you know, already for it to be on a broadcast, you know, network, I'm happy. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, I guess that'll also wrap up our discussion on martial arts in films uh, for this episode of Good Pop. Uh, Jess Han, if people want to find more of your thoughts, where can they go? You can find me on Twitter at JustJewTweets. And I am on Twitter at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find the podcast at Good Pop Club. And don't forget to check out our website and subscribe to us at GoodPop.club. Uh, Good Pop is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website PodcastPotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Steve? What's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, no. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. 
It, it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So... Are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean drama podcast at koreandramapod.com. Kaja! Am I going to see sauna towel buns?